Welcome to Bourbon, Bullets, and Badasses, where the spirits flow, the ammo is dry, and there's always a badass with a story the world needs to hear. All right, welcome back, everybody. I know it has been way too long. I apologize for that. Uh, work has been incredibly busy. Chris has moved more than an hour away, so I, this is Radar running solo today. And, well, I've got a very special couple with me. Uh, I've got a Navy pilot. His name is Aaron Ingram. And I'm going to let you tell, let him tell a story. And I've got his wife, Amber, lovely lady, with me. And Aaron, start with what your career is, how long you've been in. Uh, let's give, a, give the basis, and then we'll talk about why you're here. Yeah, sure, man. First, I just want to say thanks for the opportunity for, for doing this. I've never been on a podcast. That's so kind of a first for me. Um. So my background is I went off to the Naval Academy in 2008, spent four years there getting my military education and college degree, and in uh, 2012 graduated, went off to Navy flight school to learn to fly planes, and yeah, so start off in uh, Pensacola, Florida, that's where uh, Naval aviators all go through the pipeline, and we start off with some flight training and uh, just kind of some ground school, really uh, taking a lot of tests, a lot of academics, mm-hmm. and they're really trying to weed people out. So you go about six months through that uh, course, and then once you finish with that portion, you go into the more flying portion of things. And by the end of that training, you select what platform you're going to go to, you know, helicopters or fixed wing uh, various different platforms that the Navy and the Marine Corps fly and operate. So about two years is uh, the start-to-finish process, going from somebody who's never flown before to somebody who can fly, operate an aircraft, and know the flight rules. And um, So that's that's the route I went, and I met Amber, my wife, who's here. Do you want to say hi, Amber? Hi. <laughs> Uh, I met her when I was in Corpus Christi, Texas. I was finishing up advanced flight training, and I went up to Austin with some friends and ended up meeting Amber when uh, I was up there. And, yeah, that's... Y'all didn't meet on 6th Street, did you? No, we didn't. It was actually more embarrassing than that. Yeah, It was on uh, Tinder. Tinder? uh, Moment of silence for for that yeah oh my goodness everybody, well everybody I, you know what calm down it's not that salacious <laughs> <laughs> hey hey uh <laughs> we met on there but we didn't actually so like, this was in uh laura yeah. and i met on plenty of fish yeah that's so. awesome well but plenty of fish is like a lot cleaner i think than the reputation <laughs> that yeah. like no. well this no, was in not? 2013 oh, no. when it was just kicking off i guess yeah and I was tinder was like the hookup app but that i don't know i, was I don't sitting know why down he at was a table it, with <laughs> Well, I was sitting down with some friends from flight school. You know, I see them on their phones, and they just are swiping. 
you know, whatever direction is. Yes, I don't I, remember now. But I don't either. <laughs> they're swiping, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Because they were all distracted by this thing, and they're like, yeah, man, you got to get on here. You don't have a, a Tinder profile or whatever? I was like, no. What are you talking about? And uh, so they, they set me up, and there I go swiping. And then uh, a few conversations later, I'm talking to Amber, and she actually had things to say that weren't <laughs> completely idiotic. He had a bio on his Tinder profile. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had it more like a LinkedIn profile. I, th- I wasn't doing it right. I don't think I was doing it the right no. way. But, oh, okay, I got to ask, how old were each of you when this happened? Oh, man, 2013, what was that, nine years ago? So it would have been 23? Yeah. Both of you? No, I was, 21. you were 24. 23 or 24, and you were yeah. like 21. I was not 21. If you were 24, then I was 23. We're only a year apart. year and a half. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. Anyway. I was 23, 24. She was like 22, 23. Yeah. Um, yeah, when all that was going on. So. Yeah, it was really like a chance thing. Because I was on Tinder for, I think, exactly a week. Because my coworkers put me on Tinder. I was an esthetician. So you can't bring your phone with you into services with your clients. Um, so I had left my phone in the break room and I came out of the break room and my coworkers were on my phone and I was like, what are y'all doing? And they were like, we put you on Tinder cause you need a life, <laughs> oh. um, which sounds like something that you would make up, but is actually the true story. It is what it is. Um, I was working three jobs. I was putting myself through school. Um, so I pretty much like worked and then went home and they were like, you need to get out. I had been in a really bad relationship before that. So I was not looking to meet anybody. And then they were swiping on all the wrong kind of guys. I was like, those are not my kind of guys. And then we found Aaron's profile and it was like pictures of him doing gymnastics cause he's a gymnast. And then he actually had like a bio on his profile, which most guys like put some weird cheesy pickup line or don't put anything at all. And he actually had like a, my name is Aaron and I'm blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just really cute. So I was like, this would be more my kind of guy. Like he seems like a normal dude. Someone with a brain. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. And anyway, so I, but then we didn't even, I told him he kept messaging me and I wouldn't get on the app because I wasn't on like, so finally I was like, Hey, if you want to actually talk to me, add me on Facebook because I'm not, I'm deleting this app. I don't use Tinder. So I deleted the app and he added me on Facebook and I was like, oh, I guess he does want to keep talking. And then he came up to Austin a couple of times and I was like, this is, I can't believe you're actually driving all the way up here. Yeah, it's like a four hour drive. We yep. started talking on the phone and, uh, he just kept coming back and I wasn't even particularly very nice and, to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, you know, what had me coming back was, no, I was that, that was not nice to you. <laughs> She got an attitude. I wasn't I like mean a good to him. Challenge. I just wasn't yeah. looking for a relationship. And then he was like, come be my girlfriend and move to Florida. And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. So I was, this is in the middle of flight school, mind you. So I'm finishing up. I'm doing my, so I went fixed wing. I went the multi-engine route. So I'm flying, uh, you know, multi-engine aircraft with, um, you know, do, doing the training to learn how to control the aircraft when you lose an engine and you have two engines. Uh, there's just a lot of different training that goes into it. So I was in the throes of doing that and finishing up flight school. And then that's when I met Amber. So I was pretty busy doing that at the time, but my schedule got, uh, a lot more opened up once I completed my training and I had to still wait for all my classmates to finish. So my last like two, three months, I was pretty open with my schedule and 
I started talking to her a lot more and visiting Austin a lot more, asking her on dates and yeah, the rest is history. I, I finished flight school, got my wings in Naval aviation. They call it getting your wings of gold. Um, they look like those up on the wall. Beautiful. And you wear those on your chest as your, they call it a warfare designator. Mm. So once you're fully qualified in a certain thing in the military, you earn a badge, uh, mm. you know, like, uh, Anybody who's been through airborne school will have their airborne badge, and they're proud of that. And uh, you know, similar thing in the Air Force. Anybody who's been through their flight training gets a their silver wings. So, needless to say, you are fully invested in this. You've spent years doing what you want to do. Oh yeah, since I mean, since two thousand eight, going off to the Naval Academy as a eighteen year old from Washington State. That's where I grew up and going all the way across the country thinking that I just wanted to get away from my small town. But once I got out there, I was terrified and I didn't know what I had gotten myself into, but I did a lot of growing up and I learned a lot about myself and definitely was challenged uh, since going there. But yeah, since 2008 really was in the military and indoctrinated in the process and living that lifestyle. So as of 2012, you know, the intensity just ramped up. Now I have my college degree. I got commissioned as an officer into the Navy, and I'm in flight school. So I spend the two years training hard going through that and going through really hard times because there are a couple moments when I thought that I'd fail out of flight school, to be honest with you. And it was really tough because you put so much into it. To drop out at that point is unthinkable to someone like me that's pretty dedicated to going that route. Uh, you think about telling all your friends and family about what happened and it just really messes with your brain. So luckily I worked my butt off. I made it through flight school and got my wings and got to go fly in the fleet for the Navy, which well, is you made it through and you were actually at the top of your class because you wanted to select differently than they were hoping that you would select for because you were finished, at the top of your yeah. class. So when I finished out of advanced, I was, I did really well. But when yeah. I started the earlier stage of flight school, I was really struggling. I was probably more towards the bottom of uh, the groups that were getting through. So I kind of just scraped by at the beginning, but then later on, I'm kind of a late bloomer, I guess I did well in the latter mm -hmm. part, and by the end of it, I had to select either the P-3 or the P-8 is the two different fleet aircraft I had to select from, and I wanted to go to the uh, to Whidbey Island in Washington where I grew up, mm -hmm. my family is, and so I'd have to go P-3s if I did that route, but uh, my commanding officer kind of persuaded me, like, hey, the aircraft's getting retired because it's from kind of the Vietnam era, from the, the 60s and the 70s is when they developed and started using that platform. So it was getting retired. And he's like, hey, this P-8 thing is the new hotness that they're going to be switching to. And if you don't start off with this, you're a fool because you're going to transition to it anyway. So you you better go do that. Well, and they wanted their top guys flying the newer aircraft. I mean, he was at the top of his class graduating flight school, and that's who they wanted in the newer aircraft. So they were so pushing they, uh, for him to go that route. Their argument made a lot of sense to me. So I, I ended up going off to Jacksonville, Florida, flying the P-8. And, yeah, I spent four years in my first two commands over in Jacksonville, 
the first one learning to fly the P-8 and get fully qualified, and then the second one was deploying overseas, actually operating the aircraft, and then getting qualified through all the different positions up through aircraft commander and then ultimately a mission commander, which means you're in charge of the whole mission and the safety of the aircraft, all the weapon systems, everything on board. And our mission in that aircraft is to hunt for submarines, uh, drop buoys in the water, you know, listen and find submarines in the water and then also do surveillance and reconnaissance. So we have onboard systems that we do a lot of that stuff that uh, probably won't go into too too much detail on this, but it was a blast, and we got to do a lot of really cool stuff, and I enjoyed it. So let me see if I can summarize this. You have spent your entire adult life learning how to do something that gives you the chance to selflessly serve your country and protect all of our freedom. That pretty much sum it up. Well, I I wouldn't pat myself on the back too hard. I mean, I'm you know, there's a lot of people out there that recognize where we come from and know that there are generations of people, including the greatest generation as they call them, right, that fought in World War Two and those are the people we stand on the shoulders of. So it's not like we invented anything new. Oh, of course those not. Those of my generation that are serving um, so I wouldn't, again, like pat myself on the back too much. I made the decision to serve and it's just something that was on my heart to do. And I really loved doing it. I enjoyed it. And it felt like I had a purpose and I was doing something important and making a difference. And I think I went in a little naive and just not understanding who I was really working for and what all goes into it and who's really making the decisions and what drives those decisions. So I didn't understand the whole process, but I knew I loved our country and I knew uh, the people I was with to the left and to the right of me were awesome, awesome people. And they were challenging me and making me better. And I loved every second of it. Honestly, I had the opportunity to go to Scotland uh, on detachment Mm-hmm. I've been overseas on two deployments to the Pacific Fleet, which is uh, Japan, Korea, Philippines, that area. So I've been to all those countries and uh, done about 12 detachments on top of that uh, throughout the United States and overseas. So Amber knows more than anybody, but I was gone a lot, especially that first fleet tour out of Jacksonville. Um, so I missed the birth of my first two kids while I was overseas on those deployments. And uh, luckily got to be there for the last two. We got four yeah. kids, five and under. So Wonderful kids. Yeah, I thought John just turned six. Nope. No. No, He's just, still five. Oh, my turned goodness. Turned five in July. Nora's about to turn four in oh a couple my. of days. Wow. Yeah, so while yeah. while the deployments and all that were, were going on, Amber and I were uh, having having kids and starting our family and getting into all sorts of trouble, but mostly it was... Uh, getting in over our heads Yeah, what we were doing. Mostly it was her <laughs> uh, with the kids because I was gone so much. Yeah, it's definitely understandable. 
Well, I think that is something to drink to. So, all right, Aaron and Amber, we are going to start off with Angel's Envy. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon finished in port wine barrels. Either of you wine drinkers? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah? We tend to like the the red wines, but I don't know about the sweet red wines. Yeah, I don't know. Because ports ports are kind of sweet. I think you'll both appreciate this. Now, let me see your glasses. And I won't... Yeah, you know don't what? give me a heavy pour. <laughs> oh, you'll get you'll get an easy pour. <laughs> Thank you. Don't drink yet. No. No. Uh, are you good with neat? Sure. You know what? You strike me as a kind of. <laughs> How about you, Aaron? I'm not a drinker, but yeah, that, that works for me. All right. I like black coffee and. All right, now. The best way... I don't know how that translates to bourbon. I like black coffee. I feel like just those harsh flavors, you know what I mean? Like black know, coffee, neat, laugh. bourbon, they go together. All now, right? just to give you a little... little uh, uh, yeah, tutor us. Yeah, a little tutoring here. Okay, in order to get the nose, you want to give it a good swirl. And when you, when you nose it, make sure your mouth is slightly open. So that it doesn't burn your nose, and you'll be able to smell all the different uh, notes in there. And quite frankly, Aaron, sorry, but women are usually better at picking out the notes. So, Makes sense. So tell me what you get out of that. Just close your eyes and just think of all kinds of different food or nuts or fruits or wood, flowers, and what can you smell in there? I was going to say port. Yeah. <laughs> I smell port, for sure. I was just going to say that because that's the only thing I know right now. No, I smell it, though. This one, I've I've always gotten a little bit of honey out of it on the nose. Yeah. And it's got a bit of a citrus, like a sweeter citrus to it. What do you think? Sounds accurate. Yeah. Well, I mean, what it's it's it's, it's there. Is, there is no right or wrong answer. I got I got nothing. It smells you got like, nothing. It smells like whiskey. <laughs> okay. Now, when you take a sip, mm-hmm. you know to chew. You know, just just let it flow through your mouth and and, and try not to choke. Yes. I get a little more floral on the taste. Almost like a lavender. Yeah, that makes sense to me. What are you getting? Bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) I told you we're not big drinkers. We just, yeah. I mean, we appreciate a good drink, but we just aren't. Maybe I have COVID, so my taste buds are off. I don't know. (laughs) Don't say that. I kind of doubt it. (laughs) Although I did just find out that, uh, let's see. Okay, so Laura has, uh, she just found out four of her co-workers Hmm. have COVID. Lovely. They're all 
vaccinated. Well, usually that's kind of how it goes. I My just, brother actually isn't, and he just got over it. He just got over COVID. He had it the last couple. I mean, said, he's been out out of it for several days now, but he had it. He said he was sick Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was like three days. Of last, like he was before last. Yeah, yeah, he was sick. And then he was good. Yeah, he said he had symptoms for like three days and then a little brain fog after. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I never stopped working when I got it. Oh, must be nice. I was re- when I got it, I was super burned out though. Like I had just traveled overseas with all four kids back here without Aaron, so I had the four kids on the flight. And then when we got back, I was staying with Aaron's parents, and then we went on this like 16-day road trip. Hold on, pause real quick. What? We're talking about a 20-hour flight with four kids. Five and under, single-handedly. Yeah, I just with no want, stroller. <laughs> I just want the world to know that takes uh, some guts. Uh, d- this or woman stupidity. is a demigod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't know. It was I was literally at one point on the floor of a public bathroom crying. So I wouldn't give me that much credit. Hey, it was a, it was a hard trip. The Tokyo doing the transfer that was the hardest. They didn't let me bring, we only have, um, we use a Wonderfold wagon because we have four kids at very young ages. Um, so the best way to do it is with the wagon, but they wouldn't let me gate check the wagon. So I had no stroller, no nothing with my oldest being, uh, he wasn't even five yet. So he was four and my youngest was three months at the time. Mm. And so going through the Tokyo airport, when you had to do the transfer and everything, that was the hardest part. That's when I was like. I had to get all the kids in the bathroom to do diaper changes and then try to get across the airport to go and get our bags and go through customs and all that stuff. And um, that's when I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. We're going to miss our flight. Yeah, that's. I mean, those. there's a million of those type of stories. I mean, just with Amber, but that's... It's just crazy to me. A lot of people will thank military people for their service and, you know, give them all the honor and respect for serving their country, but it's... The spouses and the families it's that the pay families. the price. Like when I go overseas, a lot of times I'm, I mean, I'm working, but in my off time, I get to do some cool stuff too. And so it ends up being something that I actually enjoy. Meanwhile, Amber's with all the kids back home by herself, carrying the team on her back. And she's the one sacrificing when I'm gone. And whenever the military sends me to go do something, overseas she's the one that is really paying the price for that so shout out to all the military spouses yeah i gotta say though i before you came home just when i first met her and watching her she's phenomenal she is absolutely amazing with those kids and she is so gentle but firm you know the and you can see it in the faces of, of all of your kids that that they listen and they respect her very, very much. I appreciate that. Well, she's the one who's always been there for them. So. Guys, y'all are going to make me cry. Y'all got to stop. That's <laughs> well, okay. Nobody can see If you, you start sobbing, we'll, we'll mute you. Yeah, okay. just mute me. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> or we'll leave it as a raw moment. Oh. All right. So moving on to the next chapter. Let's uh let's get into why we're doing this today. At this point, your career is uh kind of coming to a standstill this year, is it not? 
It is, yeah. So a departure from what I was expecting, but essentially after... Hey, I'm lady, at, you got a drink. I'm oh, at 10 yeah. years of service <laughs> now. Uh, going into this next year, I'll be at 10 years, which is the end of my obligation. So I was planning on transitioning out of the military. With the young kids and with all the moves we've done, we're just, we're ready for the next phase. Well, in 2020, we went through a lot as a couple and we did a lot of soul searching, learning and growing. And we had been brought up Roman Catholic and in 2020, we... I wouldn't even say in 20, I think the whole thing started when you were deployed and John got sick. Yeah. Well, with the vaccines, yes. Yeah, so that's kind of where a lot of our journey, I think, started. Um, but I was just saying our faith journey ties into it, too, because yeah, there's well, kind of that, two things that going kinda on. That kind of happened in 2020, but I think it all started back in 2015, 20, well, 2016. Um, John, our oldest, had, so we had our first two pretty close in age. They were 16 months apart. And when I was pregnant with Nora, I started noticing changes with John, um, things that just were really not normal. I grew up, I have a huge family, so I grew up around a ton of kids. I have a lot of experience with kids. And our son was just having some real issues and some real difficulties. And so we kind of started looking at what it could be. And then when I had my daughter, Nora, it was just a whirlwind. He was deployed, and it's just being, like, thrown in. You've got two kids now, and you're just trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, you start to see these same things happening with your daughter, and then you start to kind of notice a pattern and you start to put it together. And then you don't want to be the one to like say, oh, I'm, I'm that mom who's questioning vaccines all of a sudden. I mean, I went to the pediatrician and I asked like something super basic, like, hey, I noticed that after John got his vaccines, he just seemed to be having a really hard time. And now he's rhythmically banging his head into his crib and I'm starting to get concerned. And she flipped a switch on me like, I don't even know how to explain it. She just started berating me, telling me to stay off of Facebook, telling me that I didn't trust her, telling me it definitely couldn't be anything with the vaccine. I don't know, just the response that I got to valid concerns that I was having, like reasonable concerns. I wasn't even like really questioning anything at that point. But as, as when I left that office, I sure as heck was. And then I got an email. I didn't even say I was going to stop vaccinating, but I got an email from that pediatrician that said, if you're no longer going to vaccinate, you're not welcome in our clinic, essentially. Um, and that's the first of four pediatrician's offices that I've now been kicked out of. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll so, okay. deny you health care. Oh, but she was so like cold and just cruel. And I was like, OK, huge red flag. That was such a disproportionate response to these concerns that I was having. And I had a newborn baby at the time. Like, I'm just a new mom. And, like, John wasn't even two years old. And, like, it was just such a disproportionate response to such valid questions. that That's when we really started, well, I really started digging into stuff and researching more. And that's when yeah. I stumbled across a Brandy Vaughn video. And she does, um, what is the website, Erin? I'm... LearnTheRisk.org. LearnTheRisk.org. So Brandy Vaughn actually died under some circumstances. Yeah, yeah, Um, I would have said to her, this isn't something I'm seeing on Facebook. This is what I'm witnessing in my home. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I sat there and I, I mean, at first when she came at me, I'm not, I wasn't back then this like outspoken person that I am today. I was a lot more like timid and, 
And when I would be chastised almost, like I would just retreat. And so that's exactly what I did. I got my kids well, and when I new, left. When you're a new parent, you don't know. You want to keep your kids safe. Oh, you want to do everything all this that, stuff. Yeah, you want to do what you... I remember you I posted on know. Facebook, if you want to come see John in the hospital, you must have your blah, blah, blah vaccines. Like I was... I was going to do what you're supposed to do. I just didn't even ask a question. Um, but anyway, when I left that office is when I started questioning things and I kind of dug in big time into things. And then Aaron came home from deployment, wanted to take the kids for another round of vaccines. And I remember God was screaming at me, don't do it, don't do it. I literally stood in the corner and cried through the whole appointment when they were getting their vaccines. I was like, this is on you. If you want to do it, I don't want to do it. Um, and Nora broke out an eczema over her entire body overnight. So I remember that yeah. appointment because you had brought up those concerns. I thought you were emotionally charged and not thinking straight necessarily. And so obviously yeah. I, I think I'm correct in this and that oh, yeah. surely the doctors Oh, yeah, know, you thought I was. The doctors know. <laughs> yeah, and off my rocker. Yeah, you and your research you've done that doesn't displace what these doctors know. And but I, I hadn't done any research of my own either. I just knew the what I'd heard, and I trusted the doctors as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, I, I'm like I have an engineering degree. I'm an analytical guy. I'm not an idiot. I I feel like I can trust these people. They've been through a lot of training. They're specialized in medicine in this field, and they know what they're doing. Yeah. And so we brought her in, and because I had this stance. I was adamant about getting Nora vaccinated, and we did, however, say we're not going to get all of them because there was a list of like six yeah, they that she was going to get a ridiculous amount on that day. Yeah. And yeah. so I said, yeah, let's just do like these two or three. Yeah, I you think decided not to do the DTAP because yeah, I had showed that. you that during the placebo trial, they had used the aluminum adjuvant in so, the placebo, and that's when you were like, okay, I need to look into that one more. I was open minded yeah. enough to at least say that, hey, we'll postpone let's postpone or like slow this down a little bit until yeah. we figure out what's going on here. And I then- prayed that something would happen, which I'm not proud of. But I prayed that something would happen that would show him what I had been seeing. Because mm-hmm. it was like it would happen and John would have these fits and these things would start happening and then by the time he would see the kids they would be fine again. And, like, nobody was seeing what I was seeing because I was living through it every single day. Like, I was the one that was there afterwards with the fevers and the screaming, like, John with this high-pitched screaming and then the rhythmic banging and um, watching John regress, this, like, brilliant boy that then, like, just went through all these bizarre regressions. He was ahead of all his milestones until until a certain vaccine appointment. And we didn't put two and two together until later. But... um, after this appointment with Nora, going back to that, I mean, she broke out in this terrible skin rash where she was, not to get too graphic here, but bleeding in her private parts, um, skin completely raw because of what it did to her gut microbiome, as we did research later and found out your gut bacteria, the flora and fauna in your gut is mm. very finely tuned and when you oh yeah eczema is a gut disease for sure when you put toxins into your system that overwhelm you or overwhelm your immune system it throws that natural balance totally out of whack and it causes all sorts of bowel issues well that results in really bad effects for the child um you know obviously downstream of 
the digestive tract. And so she... Yeah, she had eczema over her entire body. And on top of that, she she had, not to be graphic, but she had diarrhea for 12 days. This little four-month-old infant for 12 days. She was so beautiful and perfect. And that was, I mean, we didn't sleep for weeks because she couldn't sleep. I mean, she would sleep in 15, 20-minute spurts and then wake back up. I would have to peel the sheets off of her skin in the morning. Because she would scratch so much that she would bleed and the sheets would stick to her skin. Good grief. It was really bad. And so it was pretty much the jolt that I needed to wake up and say, hey. Well, you called the doctor. And the doctor was like, oh, it must have been something she ate. And I'm like, she's a four-month-old breastfed baby. Oh, well, it must have been something you ate. Me being the mother breastfeeding. And I was like, I didn't eat anything different. And I'm fine. She, I mean, Aaron was like, the only thing that happened, the only thing that changed was this child had these vaccines. And you're telling me that, that in no way would you ever consider that these vaccines could be culpable. And she said no. And we were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so what are we dealing with here? Like, if it were any other medication, if it were a, if it were because John had diarrhea after a round of antibiotics and they were like, yeah, sometimes antibiotics can cause that. So then we call and we say they had these vaccines and she had a bout of diarrhea. You would think that they'd be like, oh, maybe it was the vaccines. No, in no way could the vaccines have been culpable. And we were like, what? So this backtracking is just to go over where when yeah. we started questioning things because well and, and starting that, to seek truth which then ultimately led us to god and to our absolutely, faith absolutely absolutely yeah it, it did all lead to that and uh yeah i'm very grateful for that even though it was hard at the time but that jolt of seeing what happened to nora was what got me to dive into the research and i got on the fda website and i recommend everyone read the vaccine package inserts We've got an Amber Alert going off on our phones here. Yeah. Um, Why are you alerting us? I'm not. It's a, <laughs> it's a child abduction in Hondo, Texas. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so it's not an Amber Alert. It's an Amber Alert. <laughs> That's right. Ha-ha, guys. So funny. She's never heard that one before. I've never heard that one. Oh, good grief. So there, there goes mine. Oh, again. delayed effect. I was giving it a second for to go... All the way around. Yeah, it's got to go here. through the room. Oh, Lord. But mm. anyway, we uh, I dove into the research, and being an analytical guy that I am, I was like, I need a freaking answer on this because I am not happy with what I'm hearing or seeing. And there's different ways of knowing things, all right? There's, you know something from somebody else, from an expert that you trust. That's knowledge. There's a different type of knowledge where you read and research, and you know something through reading it in a book. And then there's another kind of knowledge where you experience it for yourself and you know what you saw and you were there for it happening and you come to know it that way. So for me, I had come to know that something was going on through personal experience with Nora. And that was enough to say, okay, I need to fill in the gaps on what my actual knowledge on vaccines are because it was pretty much nothing, which I would venture to guess most people are like, well, at least pre-pandemic, we're like, well, I don't really give a rip. Um, you know, I'm told to get this. I'll just get it. Move on with my life. No second guessing. That's how I was until all of this happened. And then go down the rabbit hole. FDA website. I go with the approved sources, right? I go on the FDA website. I look at the vaccine package inserts. What is in these things? Right. And it lists the ingredients on there. And it's aluminum, thermarosol formaldehyde, bovine serum. Yeah, polysorbate 80, 
fetal bovine serum. There's um, aborted fetal cell lines. Um, it, again, it, it's all vaccine to vaccine. you got to research each one individually, and then it has a series of adverse events for each one, what could happen with each one, what negative effects. And you're supposed to be read all of this stuff before you get one, by the way. Just like when you get a drug, they say, hey, this might make you drowsy. Hey, don't operate heavy machinery. Uh, or, hey, this might mess with your stomach and give you... Yeah, that's informed consent. Stomach issues. And that's, yeah, that's the basis of informed consent. And doctors are told to first do no harm. And they're supposed to inform their patients of the risks and benefits of any kind of intervention before they give it. Um, this was well established after World War II. Well, but after, vaccines are classified as public health measures. They're not classified as biologic or as they're um, called biologics yeah, they're called rather biologics. than drugs. Yeah. Huh. So that puts them in a different category of, of safety. And anyways, it's uh, you go down this rabbit hole, you you learn some basic information, and then you go back to the doctor and you say, "Hey, doc, I have some questions. I noticed that there's." aluminum in this vaccine and i did some research on injected aluminum and this far exceeds the fda's own standard for what is allowable in humans for this for this product for aluminum you know i mean there are fda and epa limits for how much you should intake before your body is affected and they're exceeding it with this vaccine schedule and then you find out like hey they haven't researched any of these vaccines in combination with each other but they give them together, and it's based on no research. They research each vaccine individually, and then when you dive into that, you find out what is the control they use to establish the safety of the vaccine. It's another freaking vaccine. So this, this will blow your mind, but they'll use like the flu vaccine as the control safety for the MMR vaccine or another vaccine. But the flu vaccine is not an actual vaccine. <clears throat> vaccine is supposed to... Well, my point is that when you do a yeah. randomized control trial, your control should be saline solution. An inert placebo. An inert yeah. placebo, which is generally salt water. Yeah. Right. Absolutely nothing. But they're using another vaccine as the placebo control. Or they're using a solution that contains the adjuvant that's going to be in the vaccine, like aluminum, for example. So you, Which you, is the adjuvant is what excites the immune system. It's what causes the immune system to mount a response to the killed or the weakened antigen that's within the vaccine. Hmm. And why would they put that into the what's supposed to be an inert placebo control? The only thing that I can think of would be to excite the immune system to an equalized response to hide any adverse events in the control group. Right. That, like It seems like... They don't want to see what the actually actual safety profile of the vaccine is because what they're using as the safety control is something that's full of chemicals and potentially harmful things, and it's not. Well, it's destroying the ability to go back and look at long-term effects as well. So you're seeing the immediate effects of it. They're very short-term safety studies. So you're saying, okay, we gave these two things, and immediately everything looks fine. But now you can't go years from now. And look at the long-term effects of having that amount of elected aluminum put into your body because you have no control group to compare it against because both groups got the elect- injected aluminum. Wow. Uh, educate me on something now. Is aluminum 
uh, considered like heavy metal poisoning like, to where it doesn't metabolize out of the body like mercury or lead or something it's like that. It's similar. So, it can be metabolized, yeah. but it depends on your In, genetic predispositions. There are certain yeah. people that metabolize things differently. And if you have certain gene mutations, there's something called the MTHFR gene mutation, which, by the way, they can screen and test for, and they don't. If you have this gene mutation, among others... It affects your body's methylation pathways for its detoxification processes for all of these heavy metals and things. And that's just across the board, all heavy metals. It, it affects your body's ability to get rid of these toxins, essentially. And so what happens is these things get deposited into your organs and your fatty tissues, including your heart, your liver, your brain, particularly your brain. Disclaimer, we're not doctors. We, we are not doctors. <laughs> However, we are passionate about this subject, and we've done a lot of research. And Dr. Exley. Yeah, Chris Exley, world-renowned. Chris renowned, Exley, who's a world The leading expert. The leading expert in the world on aluminum and its effects on the body. He has biopsied the brains of deceased individuals who had aut autism and Alzheimer's, and he has concluded that Alzheimer's and autism would not exist without aluminum. Well, Alzheimer's specifically. Autism is is different because it's a spectrum of different symptoms, it, and a lot of that includes gut, brain access symptoms, um, behavioral symptoms, as well as neurological symptoms. So yeah, he sorry. didn't actually speak Got to... live. Sorry. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. He actually came out and said, very bold statement, that Alzheimer's would not exist in the absence of aluminum being present in brain tissue. That's what Dr. Chris came out and said. There's an episode on the High Wire where they, they, do, um, they go over his research on that topic. But he's also, yes, found even higher rates of aluminum in the brains of autistic children than that of autistic or um, Alzheimer patients. Huh. Higher volumes of aluminum particles. So there, I mean, we could talk for multiple hours children. just about yeah, this we vaccine could talk topic. Just about Vaccines I don't want to go too time. deep on this, yeah. but well, well, let just, me ask you. Can I read this to yeah. you? Okay, uh, you're both aware of the scientific method, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just for the listeners, uh, let's let's go through the, the the basic definition. Scientific method is an empirical method of acquiring knowledge that has characterized the development of science since at least the 17th century, with notable practitioners in previous centuries. I want to get done with this. I want to see if. Most, if not all, of this applies to your situation. It involves careful observation, applying rigorous skepticism about what is observed, given that cognitive assumptions can distort how one interprets the observation. It involves formulating hypotheses via induction based on such observations. Experimental and measurement-based ba measurement testing of deductions drawn from the hypotheses and refinement or elimination of the hypotheses based on the experimental findings. These are principles of the scientific method as distinguished from a definitive series of steps applicable to all scientific enterprises. So, it's observation and question, research the topic area, hypothesis, test with experiment, analyze data, and report conclusions. Circling, cir circling back around to observation and question. Yeah. So, basically, what everything you've been through with your kids, okay, you were the skeptic, okay, you did the research. Oh. Well, one yeah. of our kids is out of bed. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you want me to go? All right, I'll we go. can pause real quick. Okay. Hang on. We'll be back. 
It's never a dull moment around here. <laughs> yes. Hey, I, where know, were we? I was, I've spent 28 years raising five girls through two marriages, three yeah. stepdaughters, two daughters. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I told Aaron, I don't get to clock out. It's it's day and night. It's Monday through Sunday through Monday through Sunday. I mean, with kids, it's I mean, it's amazing and it's awesome and it's exhausting. <laughs> okay, so so basically you guys have gone through the actual scientific method in everything. One, this is something that I don't think a lot of people understand just to go back to that. I mean, when you're talking about like cognitive dissonance and you're talking about like with with parents that are acknowledging that their children are injured by their vaccines, you're basically acknowledging that you didn't know what you were doing and that you allowed your children to be injured. Nobody wants to come to that conclusion. So all these anti-vaccine parents out there that have witnessed this injury in their children, it's the last conclusion that they want to come to, trust me, because it was the last conclusion that I wanted to come to to realize that I couldn't necessarily just trust my doctor, that I couldn't just offload this responsibility of their health onto somebody else. And I actually had to take responsibility and accountability for their injury, for what happened, and then to pursue the healing process that you have to go through. Like we've done a lot with our kids with changing their diets, with going through all these different biomedical things to heal them. Um, and they have been healed. Um, people don't want you to know this, but you can heal things. And so none of our children are on, on any medications. Our last two children are completely unvaccinated. They've never had anything. I didn't even allow them to prick Isaiah's heels at the hospital, which don't come for me, CPS. But my children are incredible now. They're so healthy. They never get sick. Um, Nora has not had an eczema breakout. And this was her whole body. This was not eczema that was just going to go away with a steroid cream, which is what they want to give you when you go to the doctor for that. Their um, physical skills, their verbal skills. I mean, they're advanced. They're of course, every parent aware. thinks that their child is awesome. But I think our kids are legitimately uh, stand out from their peers because of the fact that we stopped vaccinating them. Well, I mean, just from watching John regress. And then make all the gains that he was able to make through everything that we went through with him, doing heavy metal detoxes, changing his diet. Yeah, he went from um, talking. I mean, he was talking. Gut. He was talking before one of the vaccine appointments and regressed to babbling and not being able to talk anymore. And so it went full circle where he was at a point in development, regressed, and then we had to bring him back out of that. Yeah. So we've been through the gamut, and like you said, yeah, the scientific method going through this thing systematically, we took our time in trying to wrap our heads around it. And to me, the kicker was just think of the first vaccine we give babies when they're born. On the day of their birth, right after they're born, they get a hepatitis B vaccine. What is hepatitis B? Is that a risk? It's a sexually transmitted disease. It is a sexually transmitted blood-borne disease. Yeah, it's a needle disease. We give it. Look up up the CDC vaccine schedule for children. You, You get that on day zero, first day of birth, Brand new baby gets Even that. if the mother has tested negative for all STDs. It has 250 micrograms of aluminum in it. Yeah, perhaps if Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee had both had that vaccine uh, previous to meeting each other, I may, maybe one of them or both of them, but, you know, I... I actually, I actually worked for Tommy Lee. I, I worked for Motley Crue for a while. I, awesome. I did their final tour. So. That's awesome. Uh, 
Anyway, yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, it makes is, no is sense to give it, it to infants, take... and it makes no sense that it contains yeah. that much aluminum for an infant. For among, that, among other things. Well, yes. for the weight and the size and the, yeah, like it. Talking about a seven-pound baby. Yeah. Hmm. It's a. Uh, it's amazing when you dig into it and you find out certain things and you try to ask a few questions about it and it you get the answers you get from doctors and pediatricians are exactly what Amber explained earlier is that you are going to be yelled at, kicked out of offices. And again, it goes back to just having a question in mind. I mean, think about how you know what you know and if it's truly knowledge coming from you, from your own experience, or if you've just taken that in from somebody else. And to keep questioning things because I didn't and I regret every day that I didn't do that because could have prevented what happened to my daughter and we would be in an even better place now. But luckily we we got there eventually. Just yeah. ask the questions. Ask why is this doctor kicking me out of their office for asking questions? Do they get something for vaccinating all the children they see? Well, Yes, they yes. pay a substantial bonus, actually, Yeah, if they have 100% vaccinated patients. So it, oh, yeah, it just goes back to a mindset reasons, but, at the end of the day yeah. to question things, to go through the scientific method, to make that part of how you go through life and especially how you do things with your kids and what you give them to eat and what you put in their bodies. I mean, we're... Here to protect them, to yeah, keep them safe. Yeah, what you keep in their in your homes, what they come into contact with, and that's a that's a big responsibility. So you got to take it seriously. And yeah, we're looking at the first generation of children that are sicker than their parents. We've got what is it? One in how many kids now, Aaron? I just read the new statistic, and it, it's like left my brain. In terms of autoimmune chronic illness, yeah, chronic illness. It's like one in four or something. Oh, it's more than that. We went from, I mean, in the, in the low teens percentages of children with chronic illness to now over half of children have chronic illnesses where they need a medication or regular intervention to stay quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. And that's childhood yeah. diabetes. That's autoimmune yeah. conditions. Well, diabetes is an autoimmune that's condition. Ear so infections. It's cancer. And we're seeing a rise in autoimmune conditions across the board, and yet we're not considering the one thing that we purposefully do to adulterate the immune system: hmm. vaccines. Well, before we move on to where we're at now, <laughs> where we're at now. All right, this was a gift from my wife. This is Oak and Eden. And this is a bourbon that is finished with Ooh, I like this one. a toasted oak spiral in the bottle. Oh, look at that. Nice. So you constantly get the addition of that oak. So yeah, this is I, gonna I be... smell the smokiness. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna it's, I smell sweet too, like it does. Yep. It smells almost maple y. Yeah, I can see that. Right? Oh, like a maple syrup? Yeah. Yeah. There's something very sweet about it. This one I I always get a little bit of leather out of, too. Yeah. You get some of that? Mm Mm-hmm. Bourbon. Mm. (laughs) Aaron gets bourbon. He's very... 
original. Yeah. Discerning. <laughs> discerning. That's Very why discerning. you don't have a discerning palate. <laughs> now, this is up to the uh, proof a little bit. The Angel's Envy is... That's uh, surprising because I find that this is smoother. Well, it the is, Angel's yeah. Envy is 86.6 proof. This one is a 90. Now, if you got a, you get a little burn out of it... Uh, I... I actually felt more burn on the last one. Really? Yeah, yeah. this one I think this is, one is a little yeah. smoother. Maybe just, it's because we had the other one to set our palate first. I don't know. Just a drip of water here? Yeah, just a, a drop or two. If I could actually get it in there instead of down the side of the glass. <laughs> and get an idea of how that mellows it out, brings out more flavor, brings out more on the nose. Tastes sweeter to me with a little little bit of water. Yeah. And it doesn't take much, just a drop or two to change the molecular structure. I'm learning so much. It's good. I like this one. Yes. I had this one. Yeah. I really do like this one. The next one, uh, I, I, there's a couple of special notes to talk about on the next one. But Okay. All right. So, we'll get there. So where we're at now. So you've gone through all of this with your kids. So that led you up to this year. Yeah, well, actually, last year, because... Oh, last year is when the whole thing began? So we moved out to Okinawa, Japan in 2018, Amber and I and the kids, and, well, the two kids, and Amber was pregnant with our third, we had Sarah, our third, out there in Japan, and then we had Isaiah, our fourth, out there in Japan as well. In uh, 2020, we went through some personal and relationship struggles, which would be a whole another podcast in itself but it really drove us to our faith and or lack thereof and things just weren't going well as i think a lot of people in the military struggle with or just people in general in a marriage and in their personal lives haven't resolved some of their own issues and uh it comes out in unhealthy ways and it comes out in your relationships. And well, that was the longest time that we had been together in the same place since we had been married or yep. even dating. Like, that was the longest. When we moved to Japan, that was the longest that we spent together in our marriage. And up to that point, we'd been married for four years. Yeah, and it had been relatively easy before because with me coming and going all the time, the coming back together is so joyful when you're gone for that long. Well, you come back together, and then it's hard there's this in initial ways. Yeah, awesome coming back together, and then yeah, it it gets difficult. There's a transition. Oh yeah, period. Ba- four babies in four years. Yeah. Right, right. That's <laughs> true. Oh, there, that explains it. Yeah. But anyways, in 2020, we just started asking Everyone these questions. Everyone was thinking it. I just had to say it. It's fine. <laughs> and we found ourselves like, we're really not going to church. We're not following this faith that we claim to have. We grew up Catholic, and we got married in the Catholic Church. But we had been to church a few times and just hadn't been driven to go back. And it was kind of just like checking a box, like going there. You check your box, and I did good today by going to church, and 
you know, God was watching. So that you counted. made a trip to a building. Yep, yeah, that one counted, and yeah. uh, that's that's just kind of how it felt. And when we were there, I mean, we got nothing out of it. We didn't read our Bible at all, and I hadn't ever read the Bible. Period. Believe it or not. Well, in 2020, we come to be invited to this new church. We start going there, and we love it instantly. I mean, they're preaching gospel message that we hadn't heard before in a passionate way we hadn't heard before, and they were actually digging into the... And there was child care. There was child so care. So we actually we could listen oh, to the up. message. Because with the Catholic Church, they had the cry room, um, but it was you. we basically just had to take our kids out whenever they would... Yep act out because so the church of, was so small and it was so loud and yeah so we missed most of the message at in the catholic church that we would go to in okinawa so this was actually like a novel thing like but there was new, child care yeah. and we could hear the message yeah nice. and this uh it's a protestant church called pillar of okinawa it's part of the acts 29 church network and they are an incredible community and we got tied in with yeah. them we joined a small group uh they call it a missional community MC, yeah. And we met an awesome family that also had four kids that became our best friends. Oh, you can't forget, we owe a lot of this to COVID, actually. Because when COVID happened, we had gone to the church, what, like once or twice? Yep. Like, had not gone much. And then when COVID happened, they encouraged us to join a small group. And I had seen Tracy at church. And now Tracy's, like, one of my best friends. Like, could not do life without her. She's the best thing since sliced bread. I'm obsessed with her. She has four kids. And I'd seen her at church. And so when we were looking at the small groups, because they were closing all the churches down because of COVID, and she her picture, and so that was why I was like, she has four kids and she seems sane. Let's join her small group. <laughs> and it turns out that Tracy and Darren, her husband, changed our lives. Like, yeah, they, they just really did. did. So we went through this difficult marriage season, and they were just there for us every single day, messaging us. They did a, a study on Song of Solomon with us that was pretty life-changing. Well, as a couple. And then I did a study separately with Tracy. Yep. We did Genesis. And then we did several book studies after that. And you did... A study with Darren yeah. on Disciplines of a Godly Man, which is a, a great book. And uh, I, we were also getting marriage counseling outside of that with a... Well, and we found our marriage counselor through our small group as yep. well. And we wouldn't have joined that small group had it not been for COVID. So we thank God for COVID. So all of this we're just probably the only people in the world that thank God for COVID. Together. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm sick of hearing the word every single COVID, day. COVID, yeah. COVID, COVID, right. COVID. <laughs> this intersection of things just happened, though, and came together at just the moment when we absolutely needed it most, and it was God 100% oh, working, he orchestrated working in our lives. The whole thing. And, it was really phenomenal to um, live it. It was incredible. Yeah. And we both got baptized. We reaffirmed our faith in Jesus Christ. And, I mean, we dove in deep. And I wouldn't even call then, it reaffirming. Been, I think we both found a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior that we had never experienced before. I never had before. Um, And I think, yeah, just the culmination of all of it. And then with the walk that we have been on with just learning about health and personal accountability and just all of it was like the culmination of then like God saving our marriage and um, pointing us towards him and our walk. And so this is where our our past life and then our current caught up life intersect because here comes COVID. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, everything's changing. We're continuing to operate as a military, but we're doing things differently. And it was like no masks for a long time. And then suddenly it was masks everywhere all the time or else you're in big trouble. And then we had this tenuous relationship. I got kicked out of the gym for not wearing a mask. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, it, it got just completely out of hand where it became to the point where, you know, people like you see now are driving in their cars by themselves with their mask on. Well, and- we were so lucky in a sense because we had watched the fear propaganda play out in the media every year mm-hmm. around back to school time with the measles. And then it was the flu. And then it was pertussis. And then, like, we kind of learned the rhythm of the fear propaganda that the media uses. And so when all the COVID stuff started happening, we were already plugged into the right channels to get accurate numbers, to get real news. Mm -hmm. We were already plugged into those circles. So we studied COVID as everything was happening, as all the numbers were coming out. We already had our finger on the pulse of all of it, all the doctors that we knew were going to give us the accurate information. And there are good doctors out there that are going to give you the accurate information. So we were very lucky in a sense to never fall victim to the fear of it. I don't think at any point where we hunkered down afraid that we were all going to die of COVID. I never have been. As soon as it began, you know what? A lot of people can say that though. I think so many people were like most of our friends and family. I feel like were genuinely afraid for a long time, and I don't blame them. Died of coronavirus. It's not to say. Oh, I had it. It was awful. It was miserable. I was so sick. I don't think I've ever been so sick. But who's dying of coronavirus? Can we talk about that for a second? Because a great majority, I would say, somewhere to an effect of about 80% of the fatalities are coming from this 75 and older population. Uh-huh. That's a huge, huge focus group that we can look at and say, hey, you guys are at risk. We well, need to be extra cautious with you. Comorbidities like uh, morbid obesity, diabetes. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, they all have comorbidities. Nobody that's entirely healthy is so dying So how much honesty has been out there about what the real risks are and to whom? Because... To me, all the narrative I've seen is be afraid for everyone, equally afraid, no matter if your child is five years old, they should be just as afraid as that 80-year-old who has a heart condition and is morbidly obese. And it's made no sense to me. So if you just use your brain a little bit here, you can see. It's the fallacy of like medicate the healthy, control the healthy for the sake of the unhealthy. Right. And there you go. It's all about control. It is not about health. It is about control. Oh, 100%. If it were about health, we wouldn't be calling the healthy people, what do they call them? Uh, asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. Well, we could just call them healthy. Yeah. We could just say the healthy people. No, but we call them asymptomatic and we call them super spreaders, except now the science doesn't you know what support that, that they're super implies, spreaders. Right? It, it means that you are carrying something silently oh, and yeah. that you're this silent threat and... You so now the healthy people are now, the silent threat, and that's the fear propaganda. And we've seen it. We saw it play out with measles, with the flu, with all of these things, this asymptomatic. Like, we knew the buzzwords. So when we were watching all this stuff play out with COVID, we were like, buzzword, like, not to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but literally, it was like watching the same thing play out all well, over again. Yeah, I listened to the rational doctors that have... Yeah come out and early on you remember that video from the docs from oceanside california and they totally got slammed for talking about like hey what we need to do is actually stay outside we need to exercise our immune systems we need to intake Mm. vitamins be careful about our diets we need to try to lose weight if we're overweight but overall this is like a bad flu and we need to treat it as such we don't need to do any crazy Mm, altering things 
get some sunlight, get some exercise. Yeah. Vitamin D. Look at the vitamin D correlation in hospitalization with COVID. Please look that up. Oh, I, I, I take 5,000 units of vitamin D daily. Well, yep, you actually you need you to be careful. Yeah, it's food, vitamin D, and natural vitamin D that your body produces when it's exposed to sunlight. So vitamin D as a supplement is actually a steroid hormone. Mm. Um, and can over time suppress your immune system and cause other Again, we're not issues. Doctors. We're not doctors. We're just. Uh, but really I'm also outdoors people. working. Yeah, so you should hours be. That's probably the getting, most helpful. Yeah, that's probably thing. the most helpful. You probably don't even need to supplement vitamin D at that point if you're getting enough from the sunlight and everything else. And you can monitor your vitamin D levels with a good doctor. They can run a panel. Yeah, that's probably the best way is to actually do a check, do a panel check. Do a panel check and see, but like a lot of people I think end up supplementing too much vitamin D and and a lot of people don't realize that vitamin D is actually a steroid hormone because when your body absorbs from the sun, it actually produces the vitamin D hormone in your body. And so if you're supplementing it, you're taking a hormone supplement that can actually affect your body's ability to produce that hormone itself naturally. It's the same thing with supplementing any hormone. Well, I, I will say this, um, Okay, uh, normally around November, December, mm-hmm. I come down with the flu. Mm-hmm. It's like clockwork. Yeah. Last year, nothing. Yeah. Now, March, uh, I'm sorry, beginning of February 2019, when all of this began, before we even knew what was going on, mm-hmm. before there was testing, before anything, our entire family got very sick. Mm-hmm. Laura was on uh, breathing treatments for two solid months afterwards. Yeah. Doctors could not figure it out. We all went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, all they got from me was an acute upper respiratory infection. Mm-hmm. Tested for the flu, tested for strep on all of us. Nothing negative. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what it was. I continue to go to work. I'm a truck driver. Mm-hmm. I, I worked nights. All I did was walk in the door and told my Co-worker, I'm like, I'm not feeling good. Just stay yeah. away from me. Yeah. That's what you do. You just say, look, I don't yeah. feel good. Uh, don't come near me. Yeah. Went in, got my paperwork, drove. Yeah. Never saw anybody. Three nights, I felt like crap, kept working, and then I felt great. Yeah. March hits. What did I say? I got pissed. Mm-hmm. I lit up. I said, this is a manufactured crisis. This is, and I'm going to get political on this. I said, this entire thing is designed to destroy President Trump. Lo and behold, my prediction came true, but we'll get into that another time. So, again, if you want to see the video from Jon Stewart with uh, Stephen Colbert on the tonight show or whatever the late night show that colbert does it's hilarious john stewart just i have he says this is the greatest scientific achievement that was probably created by science yeah he does say that (laughs) oh yeah where john stewart says it was created on a massively liberal it is the wuhan (laughs) (laughs) the metaphor he gives is like oh no there's a a chocolate leak Near yeah. Hershey, Pennsylvania. I don't think Where it's as simple it as from? making it a political thing, though, because I, I don't know. I think there's 
bad on both sides. So yeah, there, there um, is. I mean, when you talk about politics, it's yeah. Definitely I think ugly we've taken the same approach to vaccines. I mean, to politics as we have on vaccines, which is just to to question it all and to look at all yep. sides and look at all issues and just to kind of have that questioning mind and come to your own conclusion on it. And while I support a lot of what President Trump did during, I mean, he made promises and he lived up to those promises. You can't say that he didn't. I mean, look at every campaign promise and look at the results that he was able to achieve during his presidency. I mean, granted, if you actually look at what he achieved with cutting the red tape and getting this vaccine rolled out there, he did a massive thing. But now the fact that he's continuing to push the vaccine the way that he is, that has me questioning Mm-hmm. him a whole lot and and just the way that he's i don't know i just feel like he could be doing more especially about those guys that are all in prison from january 6th um and then with the election stuff that happened that there's clearly unanswered questions about our election i don't well, care which as side a, of the as a former on. right as a yeah. former president there's not really a whole lot he can oh, I know. do my mom and i were talking about that today uh, she anyway said but, the same so thing. it's what, just hard though to because i feel like he was such a loud boisterous person as the character of the president, but like, where is he being loud and boisterous now? And I know a lot of police places have silenced him, but there are places that haven't silenced him. And I feel like he's not. He was just here in Houston Saturday. Some of those. Oh, I know. Yeah. I wish I could have gone. I know. I do too. $300 a ticket. I want to meet the man. I mean, I, I don't agree people, with everything that he does, but I want to meet him. <laughs> people relate to him because he says things in a simple way that people really resonate with that. And he delivers. I don't. Yeah. I don't need this over promising under delivering poly speech (laughs) yeah political speech highly political yeah very politically correct uh type of language and speech directed towards me to try to come off as someone who does no wrong just be a real authentic person and say what you mean and then do what what you say yeah yeah. And if you can do that, I think people will fall in love with you. And, I mean, Ron DeSantis right now is one of my favorite politicians in the world because he's – I mean, he, I, I hope he runs for president. He's got the pedigree. He's got the background. He served in the Navy. He was a heck of a lawyer. And his approach has proven itself in Florida mm-hmm. as as yeah, Texas has done as themselves. well. Yeah. But thinking for themselves, doing things totally different, being the tip of the spear with the monoclonal antibodies, which, again, is something Amber and I don't agree with that treatment. However, the data suggests it's a very effective treatment for COVID. And Florida was the first to prove that out with their policy and how they did things. So the rest of the country started following suit. Mm-hmm. The monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, well, hydroxychloroquine. Well, and then they affected the supply chain for the mononuclear uh, antibodies and stuff they yeah, the federal government yeah. started restricting it. It all has to mm-hmm. flow through the federal ah, government but, now. But look where they start, where they restricted first, mm-hmm. Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm. Almost like there's a... Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so anyway. Back to the storyline? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, once I called this a manufactured crisis, got over being sick and everything... Uh, this is now two winters in a row. I since since February of 2019, I haven't had so much as a sniffle. No flu last year. No flu this year. Nothing. But you're in Texas, the epicenter. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, I haven't even been dealing much with allergies like I usually did before. 
it's it's almost like COVID has ramped up my immune system. That's awesome. Hmm. It's an interesting perspective. Now, oh, and and what I else have I not testing, done? But I'm not a doctor. <laughs> what else have I not done? I haven't worn a face diaper, medical burka, uh, government muzzle. I haven't done that. I don't do it. We had to stop calling it face diaper because my son was going around and calling it a face diaper in front of people, and it was really not good because we lived on a military base and everyone was wearing their yeah, face good, diapers. Good thing we're in Texas now because I think in well, not everywhere in Texas because when I was up in Round Rock, everyone up in Round Rock was wearing masks, and That's then even true. today oh, still here are. at Walmart, they were everybody at Walmart a lot like. At least half the people at Walmart today were wearing masks again because everybody's afraid of Omicron. One, one more plug on the uh, political thing is there com- the Democrats are coming for Austin and, and Round Rock. Oh, no, they're coming for all Everything the- around Austin, Texas, and they're winning right now, and uh, it's a little scary. So Yeah, what's these- going on in the Round Rock School District, everybody in Texas should be paying attention to. Yeah, please look Not up just the- Round Rock, but... Um- Round Rock ISD and what they've done to the two school board members in Round Rock who are conservatives because they tried to censor them. They tried to get them removed from their positions so that they could replace them with. They've arrested parents progressive for standing up at school board meetings. Leander ISD. There was some concerned parents because of some of the children's books and the content in the children's books. And those parents were silenced. Um, what's going on in and around Austin. There, there's a political movement happening there. And if people don't start paying attention, where they're coming for Texas hard. I mean, we saw this in uh, Loudoun, Virginia, if anyone was following the Loudoun, Virginia crisis, but there was uh, a school district out there that was arresting parents at school board meetings and come to find out one of the dads they arrested, he had a outburst at one of the meetings because they were saying that there was no sexual assault in the bathrooms as a result of their transgender bathroom policy. Mm -hmm. And this father knew that to be untrue because his daughter was sexually assaulted by a boy who said they were a girl and went into the girl's bathroom and sexually assaulted this man's daughter, and they had a pending sexual uh, molestation case against this boy. From another school. And the principal knew about it, and he lied in front of everyone about it. And so, yeah, the dad got pissed, and he had an outburst, and he got arrested for it. And then after the fact, this information comes out, it became a big scandal and then we just saw what went down with uh, politics in Virginia, and the Republicans are are winning out because of these policies. And so there's going to be a swing in the other direction. People are actually waking up and paying attention. So. Yeah, I finally. see it all the time. I mean, I it used so. to be such a taboo thing to like be questioning what's going on in the world, and now I meet people. Every day, well, not every day because I don't leave my house every day because I got four kids. But on the days where I leave my house, I meet people all the time where I can actually have a genuine conversation with them about what's going on in the world and and listen to them waking up to things. And it's it's phenomenal to see because we were the black sheep for the last five years until look, all I'm, this happened. I'm and not some hardcore conservative person. I mean, I no, started we're my not, life yeah, we as were a Democrat when yeah. I was Well, I was 18, never a Democrat because I'm from down south. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up in Washington State, very blue state, and yeah. very progressive. And I, yeah. my first couple years when I was voting, I voted Democrat. Oh, and God. I was a self-proclaimed <laughs> Democrat. And so my journey to get here has been through experience and and actually paying attention to things. It's really you know what? Hey, listen, brother, <laughs> let me shake your hand on that, right. okay? Because I, I, I will admit something hope. here. 
Well, you were in the music industry. No, no, I was a truck driver. Well, for the music industry. Well, I didn't. I didn't mean. No, I, <laughs> by then I was. I was already conservative. Oh, okay. But I. I will admit that. Hmm, I voted the first time for Obama. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. I did not see that coming. <laughs> but it it took less than a year into his presidency before I went. What? Yeah. You too. Huh? Yep. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. Not, uh, not me. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, what. But then again, I was also living in Austin, and you know, I, it's 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 sad to hear that about Round Round Rock because the Masonic Lodge in Round Rock actually started the very first public school in tech, the state of Texas. Uh, the, the Round Rock Masonic Lodge out there. Mm. It's it's a wonderful organization. A bunch, great bunch of guys out there. Well, I'd, I'd go back and visit because it's changed a lot in the last few years, I'm sure, from what you remember. Oh, that lodge? Well, the area in general. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I was. I actually just stayed at the Holiday Inn in Round Rock Friday yeah. night. And lo and behold, as I was checking in, uh, here comes uh, an entire horde, family, whatever, of Chinese nationals walking in wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I got disgusted. And they've been wearing up. masks in that culture long before COVID, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's some, yeah. I don't know. Well, when that I see, air quality out there is dismal. Like, yeah, when that I part see, of the world, the air quality is so bad. They have no regulations in place, so they wear masks because of the air quality. So they're that's just like part of their culture now. Yeah. So just, I mean, living in Asia, we experienced this. But before yeah. COVID, it was pretty common for folks to wear masks if they were sick to be friendly to their neighbor and not get their neighbors. Or on sick. days where the AQI was above like fifty and the air quality was yep. affecting your breathing, then people would wear masks for that too. Yep. So in Asia, it's very common, and so I, I don't think anything much about people from the Asian continent that are already. In a culture where that's been a thing yeah. for a long time, but people that are doing it just because of this COVID stuff, and they're basing their knowledge on Dr. Fauci, who apparently is the science. The science uh, But guy. if they actually look at I the, am science! If they looked at the data, they'd realize that <laughs> our country hasn't done any randomized control trials Did y'all on just masks. see the study, or the scientist that came up that said that if you're wearing non-surgical face masks that they're just facial they decorations work. yes on cnn yeah this yeah. whole time we've all been wearing these guess ridiculous the, masks the best like, trial that's been done is the crocheted of, masks or the guess what it's just these ridiculous things that people have been putting on their faces facial decorations the that's best what they're trial them. that's been done on masks is out of bangladesh it's a randomized control trial in a few villages in bangladesh and they did this in a relatively large population mostly unvaccinated people and they did the cloth masks and the surgical masks and compared outcomes. And they found an 11% relative risk reduction with the surgical mask and zero effect at all with cloth masks. So the surgical masks worked a tiny bit. The cloth masks did absolutely nothing. But has the CDC changed their recommendations? They're, they're the epitome of science, right? That's where we should go for Without the face masks, would there be a pandemic? Yeah, what about Would the asbestos-laced uh, Chinese-made paper mask that everybody's <laughs> wearing every single day? Right. I mean, it's yeah, it's been pointed out so many different ways by so many different people. I just hope that someone out there might hear this and start thinking twice about it if 
they happen to still wear their mask all the time, that this isn't based on science, that our reaction to this whole pandemic is part of the plan, and it's a move for somebody to get a little more power and influence over you and over your life. And if you actually strip away the narratives that you're hearing and look at the data, stick with the science. Literally. The real science on this and look at the data, who's being affected, what is the real risk, and is this in excess of other risks that you take in your normal life on a daily basis like driving to work or getting the flu or anything else because we do risk-benefit analysis every day when you get in your car or when you interact with people, when you do anything, when you step out of your house at all. Mm-hmm. And it's part of daily life. And the fact that we think that now the acceptable level of risk that any of us can take is zero is completely ludicrous, and it's no way to live life. And it makes me sad for people that are in their last years. It makes me sad for young people who are living in fear and anxiety. I, I know Amber and I don't because we have our faith in Jesus Christ, and we know what's coming in the next life, and we know the promise of salvation and how beautiful that is. But so many people are not rooted in that understanding and they have all the fear and all the anxiety that they're told to have. And it's just no way to live. And it's really sad to see that so many people fall into that. Well, and I would just want to encourage the other Christians out there that are hearing this or just, um, I know it's something that I pray all the time is that people would realize and remember that God alone numbers our days. God alone. So if you're meant to die from COVID, you're going to die from COVID. If you're going to die in a car accident, then you can go out and get COVID and you're not going to die from it. But eventually you're going to die from that car accident. Like God alone knows that end day for each of us. And we can actually take peace in that. And that whatever precautions we may choose to take while we have every right and, and reason to make those choices for ourselves at the end of the day, God has numbered your days, and God alone knows when your time is up. And I know for me, Aaron and I have a different viewpoint on this. Like, sometimes I think he still has, like, a fear of, okay, you know, a fear of death or, like, dying or I don't want to go too soon. I'm like, Jesus, take me. (laughs) Like, beam me up, Scotty, especially lately. There's just so much going on in the world that I'm like, it's so overwhelming to see, like he was saying, like the, the fear and anxiety that people are living with, um, the elderly that are dying in their last days with no family members or having spent years apart from their family that they care about and just watching all that go down. I'm like, gosh, just so take the, me the now. Two most, the two most <laughs> immoral things I've seen happen during this pandemic. Number one is family members that are there watching a loved one die in the hospital, not being allowed to see their loved one as they're dying. Mm-hmm. People have been denied this right in the hospital, and it's completely immoral. It should be illegal. I hope that people that practice this somehow are held accountable. I I know they will be, maybe not in this life, but in the next life. And it is a a terrible, terrible thing, and I can't imagine going through that. So my heart goes with all the people who experience that. And then the second thing is just... the lies we've told people and how we've treated everyone during this pandemic. And I just can't even imagine if you 
were hanging on the edge of your seat and listening to every point made by these individuals as they flip-flop back and forth as you're told to sit and stand, wear a mask, don't wear a mask on a daily basis. This person is uh, in a critical job and they need to go to work. This person isn't in a critical job and they need to go home. Essential versus non-essential. Yeah, who who Elite versus regular people, subhuman. Well, yeah, they're practicing classism. I mean, it, it, this is straight up Marxism. Yeah, it, it this the, yeah. this is the pull the playbook. This is what Karl Marx wanted. Uh, yeah, and plenty of people are following. Well, but it. for the people out there that don't even know what Marxism is, like I, I think we owe a responsibility to just expand upon upon that. Like throughout human history, people have classified one another in order to set themselves apart and, and, and in order to gain control or in order to suppress or discriminate against another group of people. Um, and, the, yeah, one of the most recent widely known versions of this was in Germany, right, when they decided that the Jew was a subhuman and they called them diseased and they you know, decided to make them the, scapego- the scapegoat for, for all the problems facing Germany. And now you're seeing that happen. And I like everybody says it's taboo to draw a parallel right between what's happening now and what's what happened in Germany. And I'm not necessarily doing that to that degree. But there is something to be said for when you are put in a position to be looking down at another person there needs to be some sort of self-reflection that happens at that point where it's like, okay, I'm taking a human being that God created in his image and I'm putting myself above them and I'm putting my opinion of what they should be doing above their right to make that decision yeah, like for the themselves. the unvaccinated don't deserve medical care. They deserve to die. Yeah. I've seen news articles, headline news articles in main Not even just papers. articles. They've come out and said that on live television. Well, I mean, in Germany, it was... Uh, yeah. Okay, the, the Jews had to wear himself. the Star of David. Okay, so that was something identifying them as less than. Yeah. Well, what we're dealing with now is basically the reverse, the anti, the reverse Star of David. Okay, yeah. if we don't have the mask and we don't have the vaccine passport, okay, we're the ones that are lesser than. Yeah, but I would caution everybody on the other side of the aisle that the side that we currently sit on, um, if we're sitting on one side of the aisle or not, because it's so easy for us to also get that sense of superiority over maybe the other side of the aisle as well, where we're looking down on the people that aren't thinking in the way that we're thinking. And then what happens when the narrative shifts? What happens when now it's because I recently saw an article that said it's the pandemic of the vaccinated because now they're seeing vaccinated that are spreading Omicron more than unvaccinated people are spreading it and they're getting it and blah, blah, blah. So what happens when we've now been desensitized to the people that are vaccinated and we now look down upon them because they haven't questioned the narrative or whatever. And now we've put our, and so I caution all of us on this side of the aisle to not lose our humanity either, because at some point, if we point the finger at them, then we are just as bad as they are. And that's why I try to find myself somewhere in the center, somewhere in the middle where I'm not sitting in judgment if I can help myself to not sit in judgment because it is so easy to find yourself on the opposite end of that. Yeah. That's what I would caution all of us because it, it could easily happen. It could easily happen where now the narrative shifts and now we're all like, oh, they're the problem, 
right? And I mean, even now, as we sit, we, we look at them like, I've said it, right? If everybody would just take their masks off, maybe this whole thing would go away. And so I'm pointing the finger at them like this is their fault. And really, uh-huh. it shouldn't be us against each other. It should be all of us together against right. whatever is pushing this agenda. The fear porn. Oh, the fear porn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't have said it better. Cheers. Thank Cheers. You. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I taste citrus in this one. Nice. I yeah. got some uh, vanilla. Yeah, vanilla some too. Vanilla. Hey. Hey, maybe we're getting more pronounced palates through this go. experience. We're learning. Well, this one's 100 proof. It's called Heaven's Door Double Barrel Whiskey. Mm. It is aged in one oak barrel and then finished in a second oak barrel. Now, something interesting about Heaven's Door is whose label it is. Uh, you notice the uh, representation of the ironwork that's mm-hmm. on the bottle? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a guy who creates this artwork for Gates. and I mean, it's, his name is Bob Dylan. Oh, wow. Yes, the musician. This is Bob Dylan's label, Heaven's Door. Wow. Makes and sense. on all the bottles is representations of some of the actual metal work that he has done. That's awesome. So, Looks I'm learning cool. so much. And that one is not a bourbon. It is a whiskey. whiskey. See, all bourbon is whiskey, not all whiskey is bourbon. It's good. Yeah, I like it. It's hotter. It's a, this one's 100 proof. Oh, yeah. It hit me in the back of the ears back here somewhere. Got a little yeah. hug to it. Ooh, it's got something. That's, that's what Laura calls it. She said, yeah, oh, yeah, that one's got a long hug. That's funny. Laura cracks me up. To make it funny. back to our storyline, because we've gotten what is our many yes. yeah, detours we, and twists and turns here. Hopefully oh, no, you know, are now, sticking with us here. Yeah, now, <laughs> I promise our dinner parties are more fun than this. <laughs> Aaron, let's get to the final part of this. What's going on with your military career now that we've gotten through all the vaccines yes. and the COVID and everything yes. else? So all this background is to explain that I submitted a religious accommodation to not get the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. I was told that that would not be necessary by my command back in late October, early September. I'm sorry. Before that. Yeah, late August, early September. Well, so the kids and I decided when they first started talking like they were going to be releasing the vaccine for use in the armed forces, um, we were overseas. We'd been overseas through all the COVID lockdowns, through all the crazy. Um, and when they started talking about the vaccine, I told Aaron, I said, it's going to be required to travel. Uh, and I want to get my kids home before it is. Good. Um, and we were going to be transitioning out of the military in a matter of months because he was going to do the Skillbridge program, um, which was an internship program through the military for his last six months of service. So we were on our way kind of out. Um, and we thought we were going to skirt by this thing. Um, so we, um, were trying to find a way to get me and the kids home. Um, we ended up getting Aaron's separation orders expedited so that the kids and I could travel home. 
and I took the four kids and I went home. Aaron was supposed to follow in October. We bought a house in Round Rock where his internship was going to be. That's how we have all this knowledge now and what's going on up in Round Rock. We have a house up there. Um, we bought it, it. The market up there is crazy. So we bought a fixer upper. It was only, what, 1,300 square feet, teeny little house for the six of us. Oh, good um, Lord. Yeah, really small. But we were going to renovate it. At least that was the plan. Um, and then God has other plans, you know. So we should probably stop making our own at some point. That's true. But then October rolls around, and um, it became very clear that— I got a phone call Yeah. in— uh the end of October from my commanding officer who said, hey, Aaron, got some bad news for you. All right. By the way, people, you're about to get real pissed. <laughs> and he says that internship that I approved back in April, uh, the admiral just called me and we can't let you go uh, because this vaccine is going to be required because you are got this religious accommodation pending. We can't let you go on the on the internship. So we got to wait until your religious accommodation gets ruled on in the positive or the negative, and then we'll go from there. So my plan to go back and be reunited with my family in October just got exploded. And um, I had already submitted my accommodation, which is kind of a whole other story in itself. You have to um, basically fill out this entire memorandum explaining your faith and why you have the position you do, which is not how our constitutional religious freedom works. You get to believe what you believe. It's and you don't have to explain yourself. Human freedom. Yeah, it's yeah, not. You don't have to explain your The Constitution your doesn't allow us a religious freedom. What the Constitution says is it that they cannot. that it already it, exists. Yeah, it just basically acknowledges that we have a religious freedom. It yeah. doesn't allow for it. It acknowledges it. Yes, the government yeah. does not grant us rights. God grants us those rights. They are they are born. We are born and are with to those be rights. Protected by the government. Yeah. Right. Well, in, ideally, in <laughs> according to our founding documents, world. that apparently hold no weight anymore. <laughs> well, so through this process, so I, I write this thing up and I talk about you know specifically uh, related to the aborted fetal cell lines, which are contained in the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and then the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines both have it in the testing and evaluation process involve aborted fetal cell lines. And I say, hey, you know, connecting myself to abortion is not acceptable. In well, and I would be remiss not faith. to also mention that the mononuclear man- antibody also, also yes. uses and also every single PCR test, the swab that they're using, they test it against Tamiflu and Tamiflu or the um, generic form of Tamiflu. And all of those um, pharmaceuticals were So it depends on how many degrees of separation you're comfortable with being involved with the abortion process. Yeah, basically. Because most things out there are somehow connected or tied. Well, most pharmaceuticals, most medical testing, most science can be tied back to the use of aborted fetal cells. So depending on the degree of separation that you're comfortable with being involved in the abortion industry, because it is an industry. Mm -hmm. Um but that's to each their own. I mean, it can be overwhelming to research all of that. Yeah, it, it's kind of point, one of those things that you just pray for wisdom and discernment because exactly. all wisdom and discernment comes from the Lord. And when he reveals it to so you and convicts you. It was on my you, heart to fight this fight. And I submitted my religious accommodation. It would have been way easier to just get vaccinated, go on my internship, be reunited with my family, 
And We've watched so many people be coerced into receiving this vaccine that didn't want it. I um, had to also meet with the chaplain, yeah. and the chaplain had to assess my faith and assess if it was legitimate or not. And luckily, this chaplain goes to my church, and I know him personally. And, and we've been anti-vaccine for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I do Bible studies with the guy, and uh, so that went relatively smoothly. And that was not a problem. And then I also had to get a letter from my commanding officer assessing whether or not my accommodations should be approved. And this is the heavy hitting. This is the big part of the submission was like, what does your commanding officer think? Because he's there on the ground floor. He represents the Navy in terms of when it comes to you. And he knows you personally. And he knows if this would be appropriate or not. And my commanding officer, I have to give him credit did recommend that it be approved for non-operational duty, which is the current set of orders I'm on is non-operational. And he says, I recommend it for non-operational duty, but he also had to satiate his superiors by saying, I do not recommend it for operational duty. And so he gave two recommendations, one for, hey, this guy on his current set of orders should be approved, but he cannot go deploy or be with operational units which would be fine it would still allow me to serve out the rest of my time honorably go on my internship and do everything i was already slated to do but this thing gets routed up to the personnel commander for the navy and that process took it's supposed to take per instruction 60 days well they can do whatever they want because they make all the rules Mm. so they took 92 days i believe to get back to me and meanwhile i'm here with the kids yep. we had to We're leave separated. the house in round rock yep um because i was overwhelmed with the kids i had put john in school up in round rock and then round rock disobeyed the executive order of the governor to not require masks my son is had just turned five he has never worn a mask we've never had him wear masks williamson and they, county yeah and they oh yeah they were on mandated that, that for big lawsuit for all the school districts that were disobeying the executive. Yeah, so he man, they mandated yeah, the Ken mask. Paxton I called the school and I them. said, yeah, Ken Paxton had to sue them, sued Rob Rock. Um, that, that's how we have the knowledge that we have of that school board. We were in contact with the superintendent and all that. And did and Aaron's overseas while we're trying to fight this fight for our son to be able to go to this school. We were still moving into this house. Me by myself with the four kids trying to move into this house, dealing with the shipment coming in from because we packed out in okinawa all of our things so aaron's back in okinawa living in a in barracks with rented furniture well not rented but loaned furniture from the government because we packed out everything we moved home i'm in what's considered the single sailor the single sailor Mm. barracks as a married man it's a little awkward but anyway so i'm back here dealing with all of that while aaron's trying to fight to even be able to come and join us like he was initially supposed to and then i ended up taking John out of the Round Rock School District and moved back down here to Montgomery, Texas to enroll him in school and move in with my parents. And then I'm driving back and forth every single week back up to Round Rock because we've got ongoing projects at that house because it was a renovation zone. So every week, sometimes twice a week, I'm driving that two and a half hour drive, which when you're doing it with kids becomes an 
Ugh. three and a half out because they yeah. have to pee every freaking 10 minutes. So again, when I say the <laughs> so, military does something with me, she's the one that pays the price. Yes, and she that's does. exactly what happened in this circumstance too. Oh, it was a nightmare. And she's constantly asking me, meanwhile, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? I said, well, honey, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I submitted my religious accommodation. They're not letting me go anywhere until I get an answer on this. All I can do is Which take- there's not supposed to be, according to their own documentation, when they submit for a religious exemption, there's not supposed to be any reprisal for pursuing a religious accommodation. They have the process by which to pursue a religious accommodation, and you're not supposed to have any reprisal for that pursuit, and yet they're able to take his internship away. Yes, yeah, so it's Throwing our work. entire, we, we are not getting a housing allowance because during Skillbridge internship, you're not getting a housing allowance, but he's not doing his Skillbridge internship. He's still with his previous command, and yet, and we've checked out of base housing, yet we're not getting a housing allowance. And meanwhile, now we've got the mortgage payment on the house up in Round Rock, this ongoing renovation project that we started, and now we're no longer, we have no reason to be in Round Rock. He doesn't have an internship anymore. Right. But we have this house up there yeah. that we're trying so, to figure out what to do with. Again, and, this wasn't a convenient move for me. If, if it wasn't on my heart and if I wasn't convicted on this to continue to fight it and to continue to push the religious accommodation, I mean, it put my family through hell, it caused financial hardship for us. It separated me from my family, and I had every reason to just go get the vaccine, just do it. And uh, Most of our friends did. Because of our background and because of everything we've been through, combined with our faith, it was just a a non-starter for me. I said, you know what, I have bigger things to answer to than this moment, and right now into this military that I serve in, even, um, you know, I'm not one to ever disobey an order. i been in for 10 years plus my four years at the naval academy never once had i disobeyed any order from anybody and uh so this was the first where i said well but it's worth mentioning that you are obligated to disobey an unlawful order yeah exactly and there's a lot of debate right now and uh the vaccine that they had was the pfizer biointech on island and they were trying to give that to everyone saying that this is the fully fda approved vaccine which per Secretary Lloyd Austin's order that he put out in the end of August, it says that you're required to get only the fully licensed vaccine. Well, that's under the brand name Comernity, which we did not have that vaccine on the island. And so there's this unanswered question as to were they even given a legal vaccine or were they mandating an emergency use vaccine, which has to be done through a presidential waiver, which has not been established. Well, what's surprising is that um, I have it on good authority from several sources. Uh, quite a few people in the military actually got a COVID vaccine in 2009 in the military. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you know who holds the patent for the COVID vaccine? Before all of this happened? No. Bill Gates? No, I knew that. Mm. I told you that a while back. Yeah. There are multiple patents out for for creation of a coronavirus vaccine. The animal models, uh, all the ferrets died. (laughs) Do you know how long Bill Gates has held this patent? Well over 10 years. Yeah, I know there's been conferences where they discuss the very... 
idea, I think, is the World Economic Forum, something like that, mm. where they discuss the possibility of a global pandemic and that it would be a and in the model coronavirus. Yeah, so what? This would all yeah. play out in a certain way. I mean, we could talk about all the different conspiracies. And so that, again, yeah. goes down, that goes down another rabbit <laughs> we hole believe that we most probably of them, but don't <laughs> want to talk about. But it's yeah. just something, again, back to questioning well, mind. Just yeah. So, Aaron, questioning mind. what's yeah. the ultimate outcome here? So right now, I got my religious accommodation denied. And for all the military members who stuck with it and continue to pursue a religious accommodation, they have all been denied, every single one. And there's been tens of thousands yeah, I think across the armed services, we're looking at somewhere in the and order that's just of the people that followed through with the process. I mean, it's a lengthy process to even submit them. Right. Like I told so you, most, most of our that, friends that didn't want to get it ended up not going through with the religious exemption process because it's such a lengthy, drawn out process, and they either weren't as convicted yeah. as they needed to be, or whatever it was. But so. That's just the ones that actually went through the process and submitted it, not so all of them that didn't want the vaccine. Because if you actually went out and asked, I bet you most people didn't want the vaccine, hmm. but felt like they had no other choice but to get it. Between sixty and 80,000 service members went through the religious accommodation uh, procedure, and they're still coming out with responses. But to this day, zero have been approved for a religious accommodation. They've allowed administrative and medical exemptions only, and that's been very, very rare. So almost no exemptions to this vaccine whatsoever. They want 100% of the force vaccinated, and how it's going right now is that they already kicked out some Air Force members and some Marine Corps members that straight up refused the vaccine. There's a group of people who didn't do any exemption that just said, I'm not getting it, and just stood their ground on that alone. And those members have already been separated. And so they go through what's called an administrative separation. And usually that results in a general discharge, which you'll lose your GI Bill mm-hmm. and a lot of your uh, medical benefits, for instance. Oh, I'm well aware, and, uh, personally. Yeah, so you have your own story with the, the general discharge. But, I mean, these folks... Now, is it under honorable conditions? Typically, yes, but it depends on the circumstances around it. You know, if they were refusing to wear a mask as well, and they're found in multiple violations, are they considered to be belligerent or very uh, aggressive towards authority? Then, you know, they could be processed for higher. So what's going to happen with you and 80,000 other? Uh... So for me, I'm extremely fortunate. They, The Navy, well, I say fortunate, the Navy came out with a policy in uh, just a week ago, actually. And it says that any members that were slated to separate or retire before June of this year can continue and proceed with that separation or retirement without any administrative action against them. Because the issue they're running into is there's so many people going through this process, the Navy doesn't have enough lawyers to be defense counsel for these members that are Mm. about to be processed out. And so with that said, they're trying to figure out how do they go about out-processing all these folks that they want to kick out because they still have to follow some kind of procedure. Well, they don't have enough lawyers, so they're just saying, well, let's kick the can down the road. Let's make it so that people who are already getting out in the next few months, let them go. And then we'll start dealing with the folks who trickle 
through after that that still are fighting this. And so it's a war of attrition. I mean, early on, they made it so unpalatable to even pursue a religious accommodation that very few did. The few I know who did, it became very clear early on that they were going to get kicked out or lose their benefits. And a lot of these folks are at 18, 19 years about to get their pension. So a lot of them backed down quickly and said, I'll just get the dang thing. <clears throat> and so the ones who stuck it out Which were the I very just have to interject here. Um, after what happened in Germany with the experimentation on humans, human subjects, they had a council, and within that council, they wrote the Nuremberg Code. And the Nuremberg Code says that with human subjects for experimentation or any kind of medical intervention, informed consent yep. is essential. essential and required according to this Nuremberg Code that was written. And when you're talking about these guys that are in the military that are being coerced, into it explicitly says in the Nuremberg Code that coercion negates <clears throat> consent. So we're talking about... Our Especially own military committing our, war crimes against our own military. Wow. Yeah, look, yeah. we've seen this before. I mean, I don't know if you guys are These aware of the Tuskegee experiment. This, they should be able to make this decision and, and feel good <clears throat> about it, not make this decision because they feel that they have no other choice. That's not choice, and that's not consent. In fact, it negates consent, and that's literally explicitly spelled out for us in the Nuremberg Code. There's a reason for that code, and yet it's like... No one cares. And by the way, you'd have to know the risks to be able to tell someone the risks and benefits. There's some presumed benefits from the data they have from the manufacturer. However, there's no risk. What are the risks? So do we know the rate of myocarditis and pericarditis in young adolescent males, which is largely the military population? Well, guess what? That data is coming out now out of Canada, and it's not good. It's well, not good at all. If you're getting the vaccine, your rate of myocarditis is greatly increased. And there's highlight reels now of soccer players dropping dead of heart attacks mm-hmm. because they have inflamed hearts, presumably, from the COVID vaccine. And this is not going to get better. Right. And New Zealand just had its second uh, death of a young person uh, <clears throat> from the Pfizer shot uh, 26-year-old male two weeks after receiving the Pfizer uh, myocarditis heart attack. 26 years old, heart attack. Yeah. yeah so no previous health problems. There's a flight problems. doctor in the Navy that has come out and said that all pilots should that have received the vaccine should be grounded. There's a flight doctor that has come out and said that. Well, because the career negative the outcomes of COVID are correlated with blood clotting, which can cause heart attack and stroke and... That's associated yeah, with Yeah, myocarditis, pericarditis, all these blood clotting issues, all of these things are career enders for pilots. <clears throat> career enders for pilots. And if that's not putting our country at risk by pushing to have all of these pilots vaccinated without knowing what the outcome's going to be for all of these young guys, I mean, are we going to have any pilots? Like, No, they, they're intentionally s- decimating our military. Well, I mean, I, I can't go as far as to say that with certainty, but I can go as far as to say it's worth asking the question. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you don't think this is a potential national security risk, then you're fooling yourself because it absolutely is. And I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I hope that we're wrong and the risk of the vaccine is a lot less than what we think it is. But Well, I was having a conversation with a veteran who was saying, well, I'm very concerned about all of these soldiers that are refusing to take direct orders. That's putting our 
national security at risk. The fact that all these soldiers are pursuing these religious exemptions and whatever else, he was basically saying that they're not following orders and that is of concern. And I was like, if this is an unlawful order, they have an obligation and you should actually be more concerned with all the people that are not asking if this is or isn't because it's not a clear answer. There's no cut and dry that this is or isn't. It's being litigated currently. You should be supporting the people that are holding the line on this. Yes. Right. I mean, do you want a bunch of people that are not going to ask questions? When That's enlisted, not what the military is. When enlisted service members swear their oath, they swear an oath to the Constitution and to the officers appointed over them. When officers swear their oath, they swear an oath to the Constitution and to the President of the United States. And that's significant because we first serve the Constitution and the very founding principles of our country. And that should be our starting point when we look at these things is what is legal, what is lawful. Is this something that is done in good faith? And I think you have to decide for yourself where you draw that line. And for me, after 10 years and already deciding to get out, this was that decision for me and my family and my wife and I discussed it before we made this decision because we knew it was going to be hard. But you have to make that call at some point and... For us, this was that fight, and right now I just finished up my seven-page appeal because when they deny your religious accommodation, you're allowed to go through an appeal process. Well, guess what? I did that, and line by line, I tried to decimate every argument they make because they they have to stand up legally to a law called RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Mm-hmm which is part of the 1968 Civil Rights Act, Title VII, and this law, Which, by the way, every single Democrat in Congress at that time voted against. Oh, yeah. It's worth right. noting. <laughs> so with this law, they have to establish a couple prongs, and they have to say that, number one, it's in the it's, there's a compelling government interest for this policy to be in effect. And then number two, the second prong that they have to prove after they prove their number one point that there's a compelling government interest, they also have to prove that their policy is the least restrictive means of implementing that compelling government interest in in consideration of a religious accommodation. So when someone says, hey, for religious reasons, I cannot follow this rule or practice, they have to say, okay, but there's a compelling government interest, here's the proof, and the burden of proof is on them. And they have to say that, this is the least restrictive means. There's no alternative way to accommodate this. And for this situation in the military right now with the COVID vaccine, that simply is not true at all. So, again, I wrote my seven-page appeal and submitted that, and that's going to go through another process. And so right now I'm technically in compliance with the military's order until they rule on my appeal. And everyone out there who's done a religious accommodation should appeal when that comes back as denied because the appeal process is there for a reason. And And we will help you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can copy half of what I wrote because it's applicable across the board. Well, on that note, I mean, you you guys want to give out contact information? Well, um, we're, so we're, I personally, Aaron's not on social media anymore, uh, but I am personally a member of a lot of the groups on social media that are pushing back against this. We have a couple of different secret groups on Facebook, um, there's a group on Telegram. Um, I follow um, several of the. I think he's saying give out your info on. so that if people well, want. That's to what I was going to say is is people can add me 
on socials. Um, I'm just Amberly Ingram. I'm easy to find um, on Facebook. I don't have a code name. I'm just, you know what, I... I'm going to live my life transparently. Sometimes I get put in Facebook jail. It's fine. But you can add me on socials. Yeah, pretty often, actually. No, not lately. I've been a good girl, kind of. Not really. Why? I'm I'm getting better at being covert about posting things, so I'm under the radar a lot of times, but Uh. I still post my things. But if you add me on socials, I can add you to those groups because it's not just us um, that are pushing back against this. Obviously, there's thousands of us, and there's Facebook groups with thousands of people, and we're all compiling our resources, and we're fighting this thing together. Um, so we actually posted a copy of Aaron's original religious uh, accommodation forms that he filled out, as well as the appeal that he just put forth. We've put that in all of the groups um, to share the information. So, Yeah, so you're not in the military, you're not done, and you're not in violation of the order until both your accommodation is denied and your appeal is denied. And once both of those are done and both denied, then you're technically in violation of the But you can also file a moral objection. You can also file... So just know you can keep going Yeah, there are things that you can continue to do. Make as much noise as possible. Yeah, I mean, we have to. We're obligated to at this point. If you're... If you're convicted enough to be standing strong in it at this point, it's us. I mean, this is what we're called to. And I don't say that with any, like, point of pride, like, oh, I'm great. I I think that some of us are convicted in this and that some of us are going to be called to see it through. And I don't think everybody is, and that's fine. God has a, a plan and a purpose for each of us in each of our lives. But for us, this is like the culmination of the last five years of our lives is this fight. It's like everything has been preparing us for this. And to do this, I mean, Aaron is getting out of the military. He would be out of the military right now. Technically, he'd be doing an internship in Round Rock, Texas, if he just went and got this vaccine. And people that- But it wouldn't mean much for us to make this stand if it weren't hard. And it's hard. It has been hard, and it's going to continue to be hard. And there are so many people out there that just do not understand this fight and why we're doing it. And this seems so small to them. Like, it's just a vaccine. Just get the vaccine. But guess what? Yeah, he'd it's be just home with his hey, family. Hey, before I, yeah. before I explain it any further, just remember it was two weeks to stop the spread. Yeah. And where are we now? Mm-hmm. Two weeks to four, stop the spread. Four boosters? Three boosters? Where are we at? Where are we at with it? I'm just saying there is a, a slippery slope argument, and it's it's not 100%. just one vaccine. It's, uh, it's double. Slope, well, it's two, it's two rounds cliff. of the same yeah. vaccine, and then you have to go in for, what, three booster shots now. So you've got to get five, Aaron. You're real far behind. Yeah. yeah. See, this is lemmings <laughs> off the cliff is what yeah. this is. Well, please look at the data out of Israel that says that natural immunity is 27 times more potent than vaccine-induced immunity, and that was yeah. prior to the drop-off in vaccine efficacy that we're experiencing now. For, for the record, I, I I know that Joe Rogan said that the ivermectin is not horse-paced and that it is, uh, <laughs> they, they do make it for humans, but for the record, I took horse-paste. <laughs> When, when I had COVID, my neighbor, Ms., or my parents' neighbor, Jenny, uh, she raises racehorses. And when we got sick, she was like, I have ivermectin. Um, and I know the dosage that you can take of this horse paste to make it safe for human consumption. Oh, and you know what? It was a godsend, that ivermectin, 
Now, that is one that I haven't gone down the rabbit hole of figuring out if they've used aborted fetal cells anywhere in the development or testing on. So. Well, it's, I was considering it's been around since, what, the 70s? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've Given won billions of times. Yeah. Billions. But I would take it again. I got immediate relief from Nobel it. Nobel Prize so. for, uh, you know, for development in, in the, you know, yeah. common use in humans been 2015. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Nobel Prize. Well, just to catch everybody all the way up to where we're at, Aaron came home on leave um, to yep. spend the holidays with the family because we had been apart for six months. Um, and I wasn't planning on going back to he Japan. He was not planning on going back to and Japan. And here's why. Here's why. Let yeah. me explain why. Okay. Explain why. <laughs> so I left in mid-November, just before mid-November, to come back on leave because it was time to see my family. And... I took as much leave as I could. It was about 50 days. And so I headed back, and I sold any stuff I had remaining. Or shipped it back. Including our vehicle. Um, or shipped it back. And so I got the clothes I had left in a bag and came back thinking that I am not coming back to Japan um, at all. There's nothing and there for you. The reason like, I thought nothing. that is that I saw it playing out one of two ways. I was still waiting to hear on my original religious accommodation request. They still hadn't responded. The one I submitted September 9th. Mm. And my command kept telling me they're going to, any day now they're going to respond, any day now. They weren't. And so I'm like, I need to see my family. I'm going on leave. If they come back and they deny We were very lucky that they approved your leave because I know of people personally that they're not approving any leave right now for unvaccinated. So the thought was this. They're not allowing them to leave base in some cases. The thought was this. During my 50 days of leave, they're probably going to deny my religious accommodation and then I'll probably be processed for administrative separation, in which case I'm already in the States. They should be able to keep me in the States and out-process me from the States and I shouldn't have to go back to Japan. Mm -hmm. So that's one outcome. The other possibility was that, hey, somehow this thing gets approved. Who knows? They're still figuring this out. If it gets approved, then I can go do my SkillBridge internship, which I'd already been approved for, which I get to stay in the States. Yeah, but since you've been here, two things have happened. So since I've been here, two <laughs> two developments. <laughs> two developments one, that did not go in our favor. One was that the of Navy course. came out with a policy saying that, hey, if you are on a SkillBridge internship or have an approved SkillBridge internship, it does not matter if you have a pending exemption or anything else, if you are not vaccinated, we you, were you cannot, your internship. We cannot allow you to do your internship, and that is taken away, which is, again... Reprisal for pursuing religious accommodation through a process, a legal process put forth in the U.S. military code. Yes. Like, literally, it's like... Here, so let me punish you for pursuing your religious freedoms according to the process that we have laid out for you. But so we're they put out that policy, which again we think is bogus, not legal. Yeah, not so legal. So they're directly violating the UCMJ. Oh, and and we didn't mention this, but Aaron reached out to the company that he was going to do his internship with to find out if they yep. required the vaccine for their employees. We do or not their company. require the vaccine. We do not their official response. Oh, bullshit. Was their official response. They so do it's not, not the, the company, company at all. It's so listen all to this. Military. Because I'm a threat, because I'm not vaccinated, because I'm a he's threat. A threat. He's, he's a threat to the force. I'm not allowed <laughs> to go to a company that doesn't require the vaccine. I'm not allowed to be away from the force. military <laughs> force, which I'm a threat to. 
So I have to return. <laughs> Listen to this. They're making I have him to go return. back to Japan. He doesn't even have a car there. He doesn't even have housing, and they're making him go back. I have to return to the military force that he's a threat with which I'm to. a threat. Yeah, and I have to interact with these folks, which these operate things. that you know as an unvaccinated person, I could <laughs> he's, he's presumably in the military mindset, <laughs> I could presumably give them COVID, and it's because of the fact that I'm not vaccinated that I have to be there. But I am a threat. But it's a very confusing stance to, to take. So anyway, the, the two things I have over that, Aaron, Aaron, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Yeah, it does make I'm sense if you don't think about it. So number one, they came out with this policy about Skillbridge, saying that like, hey, regardless of whatever happened, like if you're not vaccinated, you just can't do Skillbridge. Which period. I mean, on a serious note, affects your future. Because yeah, that's a the, lost job so opportunity. Aaron, yeah, so the point of Skillbridge is to learn a new skill that's outside of any skill set that you currently have. So as you transition into the civilian workforce, you it like, prevents veteran unemployment, yeah, which is prevents a big veteran unemployment. Which and a is lot a of Democrats, problem. I'm sure, will stand against veteran unemployment <laughs> while at the same time standing for the policy which causes it. Yeah. So what? Okay, but it's it's a bigger deal. So Aaron's trying to switch career fields altogether. Um, he's got a passion for real estate. We we do some real estate investing on the side. I mean, we're we're no like savants, but we do okay. And so he wants to pursue doing real estate in the commercial sector. And so he was going to do this internship to gain experience in that field. Without the internship, without gaining the experience in the field, his ability to be hired in that field basically it depended on this internship because yeah, it's it a really new depended industry on this that I haven't worked in. Yep. Dude, and it requires I got, I got, experience. I got you hooked up. Just meet my mom. Okay. okay. Seriously. But then the other policy they came out with was this one I mentioned earlier, which is that if you're retiring or separating before June of this year, then they're just going to allow you to out-process without any punishment. So I didn't anticipate the outcome I'm in right now, which is that I have to, at the end of this month, go back to Japan. So in, what, a week and a half here, I'm going to be flying back to Japan and, again, be separated from my family. And who's paying for, for that? For about four months. I am. Oh, yeah, we're paying for it. We have to because he came back on leave. The military didn't send him back. He came back on his own volition and now has to pay for so his flight back. So who pays the price? So yeah. you've got to go back to Japan Until, so they can kick you out well, of Japan. Well, so he can out-process yes. in May. In May. So in he May. has to go back until May. So I get to go right back to... Well, because I'm a dangerous, germ-ridden threat, I have to <laughs> you, be around as many military as members many as possible military people. to prevent me being a threat. We get so it, that, Okay. <laughs> I just want to drive this home. You, you, you this. drove it. It's home. You're not going to be home, but the point right. is home. Where, where, where's, where's that dead horse? Oh. Yeah, let's <laughs> beat it some more. <laughs> wow. So, again, we're looking at a four and a half month separation, and then I will be out of the military happily. I'll be cheering. Yeah, but not working in the commercial real estate well, industry. I, you know, you. the future job is TBD, but I'm still trying to get hooked up in commercial real estate. So I'm going to make it happen because that's what I do. Yeah, but, well, I mean... What I mean, what's nice, uh, what's so nice about having faith, what a silly thing to say. What, I mean, we have our faiths to depend on, and what's been amazing through all of this is that God has really taken care of us. I mean, just for one example, just because I have to, to give some testimony in all of this, we bought a house in Round Rock, Texas, with all this crazy real estate that, stuff that's going on in Texas that people are, like, waiving appraisal, they're overpaying for houses, they're paying appraisal gaps, 
because tell me y'all made a killing the, on the Rowden Rock House. No, uh, I'm not going to go that far. Mm. But we didn't we'll, overpay for we'll it, right. which is a miracle in the Austin market. It appraised for more than we paid for it by twenty grand. So we were right side up in that house from the beginning, which is a miracle. Um, in the Austin market right now, that's just unheard of. So God really took care of us on that. And now we're, we're turning around and we're actually creating, we're, well, we're turning it into another rental property for us. It's not going to cash flow very well as a rental, but we're hoping we hang on to it for a few years. We build that equity and it turns into a real estate win when it could have been a big real estate fail considering everything that's happened. It'll be good because Samsung's investing $17 billion in Taylor, Texas. Yeah. So we're banking on it being a good investment. Yeah. And you know what for? I don't mm-hmm. care. Oh, uh, no, <laughs> no. I know. I do what not. Is it for? Well, you said Taylor, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, they're actually uh, going to be creating microchips for the auto industry. Ah, so that we don't have to import them from overseas because mm-hmm. of the supply chain. Right. Oh, right. yeah. Okay. We had this whole thing happen with we were trying to buy a van when we were moving back. And because of the supply chain issues created by COVID, we couldn't find a van for our family <laughs> when we were moving back. My parents yeah, actually had to drive crazy. to Louisiana to get a van for us and then drive it all the way to the Pacific Northwest. This giant van. We drive a Ford Transit 12-passenger van. <laughs> oh, this thing. It, what? It's okay. my everyday car. How tall are you? It's awesome. I'm 5'2". Okay. And I, I think I weigh 110 soaking wet. So yeah, I'm a uh, small person and I yeah. drive a huge van and it, it's, it's comical. It is hilarious. It's comical. Uh, I get which, really interesting you know, looks. pilot, Aaron's... Not not much bigger. Than, oh no, Aaron's her. a teeny man yeah. too. We're midget people. Look, I did gymnastics. We mentioned that earlier, yeah, right? Yeah, a small, it's a short man's you're a game. Small man, I'm five seven. So you're five seven. Yep. Oh well, well you got me beat by an inch. He okay. says five seven, but I actually think he's like five six. It's fine. <laughs> Can you give me the benefit of the doubt? No, here. I Come can't. On. I got to keep you humble, man, because right. you're handsome. <laughs> you can't be handsome and tall. <laughs> And a pilot. And a pilot. Hey, oh, no. That's kidding. too much ego. <laughs> and a right. college athlete. Listen, people, I told you, you were going to be pissed. And if you're not pissed, you're not paying attention. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, get out of these people's house, and get back to my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, off-site today. So. Yeah, he came to us because we had to put our kids to bed. <laughs> uh, we're on the mobile platform. I'm, I'm happy, happy to do it. Yeah, you you guys are worth it. We absolutely adore your entire family, and we've missed you in church. So, uh, y'all missed out some good times too. I know we were bummed to miss. We got invited to attend a different church um, with a college or a high school friend of mine that I reconnected with out here. So we went and checked out their church, and then we're trying to get plugged into a small group out here with some younger families that are close to our age that actually live here in Montgomery. Um, since Aaron's leaving again, I really need to find some support and some community. So we missed the last two Sundays at our, at our church and we were sad to miss, but we'll be back this Sunday. Okay, good. We're not going to miss Christmas with you guys. Oh, we just had the Christmas thing. When was that? Before Christmas. We're not going to have Christmas after Christmas. Well, normally there's like a, what, Saturday? Like the Christmas Eve Christmas service. Christmas Eve service. Yeah. yeah no. Church doesn't, it's too small to do I that. guess we didn't know that. Yeah. Lori didn't tell me that. I was texting with her. She didn't tell me that. Well, well, we'll see you guys on Sunday anyway. That's right. Okay, anyway. Uh, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. It's, uh, so look her up. Amber Lee Ingram. L-E-I-G-H. 
L-E-I-G-H, ah, and Ingram, I-N-G-R-A-M, if you want to find her, just look on all the socials. Uh, the only social you're going to find me on is at Bourbon Badass on Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R, download it. Uh, if you're sick of the, the Twitters and the tweets and the twats and all those idiots, <laughs> uh, get off of there. Uh, if you're sick of Facebook jail, uh, Truth Social is going to be uh, rolling out uh, early next year from Mr. Trump himself. Um, and I will be on that. I'll be happy to do that. Uh, otherwise, you'll find us on all the, well, you already know what streaming platforms on you're already downloaded it so shut up shannon anyway uh any final words i just say that you know i'm just one person but there's so many people in very similar and a lot in much worse circumstances than we're in we're very lucky so please just don't be afraid to look these people up, reach out to them, join some of these Facebook groups, and also support some of the legal foundations that are actually backing these military folks with lawsuits, uh, places like Liberty Council or First Liberty that are actually uh, prosecuting these cases for military members on behalf of military members, and they're doing great work. Speaking of, if you know of any attorneys that can help represent Aaron in a case because of the reprisal that he's experiencing for pursuing his religious accommodations in the military, please let us know because Uh, as of now, we cannot find an attorney that will even hear our case. Mm. It's very rare because, uh, well, it's hard to to go against the U S government. government. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody wants to go against the U S government. Turns out they've got endless resources. Yeah. I might call your tax dollars. (laughs) Yeah. I, I might know somebody. Anyway, um, yeah, all, and remember, people, do everything you can. Support Camp Hope, PTSDUSA.org. Uh, they do, it's a wonderful faith-based uh, residential facility for our combat veterans suffering from PTSD, uh, substance abuse, suicidal ideations, all of that. PTSDUSA.org. If you can give anything, they deserve it. And my friend Russell Ibarra, uh, God bless him, has done so much. Anyway, uh, we are going to wrap this up. And Amber, God bless you, dear. You're lovely. Aaron, you're a hell of a man. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for serving our country.